Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. I'm going to pray and we'll just jump into the word. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing today. We thank you for meeting with us. We thank you for for tearing the veil so that we can meet with you, so we can be in your presence, so that we can have close relationship with you. And Lord, we just pray that you would expand our hearts, that you would expand our minds, that you would expand our spirits to what you're doing in this earth and to what the reality of your gospel is. And Lord, there's a city that needs transforming. And Lord, give us a heart to transform it today. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever been set up by God before? Raise a hand. Just a few people. Okay, I see some more. Well, I feel like I was set up by God for this message. It's, it's a message that, you know, if you would have talked to me six months ago, I probably would have said, no, I'm not going to preach on that. Uh, but, but looking back on it, God, God, I feel like, has set me up for this message. And if you've been here, you know, the last four or five weeks, you, we did a, a series on equipping the saints. And a couple of the messages that I had in that, um, the first one was about our authority and, and the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and, and now go make disciples of all nations. Like he gave us the authority that he took at the cross to, to, for us to, to disciple nations, to disciple people. And that we are seated in heavenly places in, in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, the place of authority. And we are seated with him in a place of authority. And that, that he, that we are the body of Christ and that he is the head. And we are the body here on earth. <laughs> and, and he needs us to carry out his authority today. We talked about authority. And then the last time I preached, I talked about um, the reality of spiritual warfare. We have an adversary, Satan. There's a, there's a spiritual realm which contains angelic and, and demonic beings. And, and what I want to focus in on is, is kind of the last thing I talked about in that message is, is that Jesus... Jesus is our model for spiritual warfare. It's funny. Dennis was just talking from Isaiah 61. And, and Jesus quoted this in Luke chapter 4 and said it was fulfilled on that day when he declared it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus said he would proclaim freedom from the captives and release darkness from the prisoners. What is the action of being rescued or set free? It's deliverance. It's deliverance. That is our focus for today. Like I mentioned, I think God was setting me up for this message. It's not one that, that I would have chosen to talk about. And it's not one that I feel like I'm anywhere near an expert in. But I think it's something that we need to hear today. 
I think deliverance is sometimes the, <laughs> we could say it this way, the black sheep of the gospel. But my wife and I have just received some, some prophetic words, some encouragement in this area of ministering de in deliverance lately, and I feel like it, it's something that we need to hear. I think the general Christian uh, of today has gotten their education on deliverance from Hollywood instead of the word of God. And they, and they might see this stuff on, in movies or on TV, and then they hear some story about a, a wild thing that happened, like some crazy manifestation, and they put their hand on and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Even at our church, we love to talk about salvation. We love to talk about healing and pray for healing and see people healed. We love to see the gifts of the Spirit move, but we're missing a leg of the gospel when we pretend that there's no need for deliverance or we relegate it to the special few. Let me tell you that that's a mistake. I've been starting to learn the heart of God about this. He came to set the captives free. He came to give us freedom. His heart breaks. The Father's heart breaks for those who are in bondage. Yes. What if in one moment, the mom who's never been able who's never been able to be the mom she was called to be to her children, in one moment receives freedom. It has the ability to impact the generations after her. We need this. We need to know how to do this. I had a couple of phone conversations in the last year that, that changed my, my thinking about this. One of them was with this, uh, this woman who is really interesting. Um, she's just a sweet woman, uh, wanted to come into church and you know, felt you know, like she knew the Lord. Um, and, and so she came in, met her, uh, prayed with her, and, and there was just something a little bit off. And, and I couldn't really describe it, and, and others felt it too. I thought like, oh, maybe there's some mental illness there, and there probably was as well. Um, but through this whole series of events, I end up with, with the phone, uh, on the phone with her, and she starts speaking those, these curses, these word curses, over our church and over me personally. And I realized this is demonic. This is, this is spiritual attack at work. And it started opening my eyes to, to things around me. And then I had another conversation with, with a, a different woman. And let me tell you, it was one of the strangest conversations I've ever had. And this woman was, was so obviously oppressed by the enemy. And she was hysterical. It was like conversation was going all over the place and she was hysterical and I could hear her crying and her daughter was in the room seeing her hysterical. And I was like, Lord, this woman needs freedom. This woman needs freedom and I don't feel equipped to do it. And so I've been on a journey and I'm still on a journey and I wanna take us on a journey of being equipped to set the captives free. It's interesting, I was reading in a book, Dr. Arlen Epperson, a scholar who studies deliverance, estimates that 95% of churches in America do not understand the need for deliverance ministry. And of the 5% that do, only 1% are willing to engage in it. 
I want to be part of the 1%. Or let me say it this way. I don't believe that we can actually... We can actually step into a sustained move of God. We can't step into a, a revival. A revival is what we cry out for at this church. But we can't be in revival if we're not free ourselves and if we can't lead people into that place of freedom. So what I want to do, I'm going to start with three biblical foundations for deliverance. The first one is deliverance is part of our commission. Deliverance is, is part of the gospel, but the truth is that min, ministering in deliverance is just as much a part of our commission as any other part. Mark 3, verses 14 and 15. So this is when Jesus called the disciples. He appointed the 12 that they may, might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. There's the parallel verse in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And so Jesus started with the 12. And then actually a few weeks ago, we looked at this. Um, he expanded it to the 72 in Luke 10. And, and we have this story of when they returned with joy that they realized that the demons submitted to them in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you that, that this commission, this commission to, to break the power of the enemy, to, to cast out demons, didn't stop with the 72. It continues with us. We have received the great commission in Matthew 28 to disciple nations, and part of discipling nations is setting them free. Okay, number two. Deliverance flows from the finished work of the cross. Let's look at Colossians 2, verses 13 to 15. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross." Paul was using language when he was writing to the Colossians that would be familiar to people who were living in the Roman Empire. After a military victory, they had this thing they called a triumph. It was, it was a parade. And what they would do, if they captured the, the opposing military leaders, they would, they would be paraded throughout the city and they would be stripped of their medals. They'd be stripped of their armor. They'd be even stripped of their clothes. And they would be, it would be part of the triumph of the, of the, of the general's victory seeing the spoils. And that's the, that's the language that Paul was invoking here, that Jesus has triumphed over the enemy at the cross. He's made a spectacle of him. He's stripped of all his power. We can only lead people into a level of freedom that we've experienced ourselves. 
There's power in the name of Jesus and in the blood of Jesus, and we can learn to minister in that power. But people won't actually learn to live free unless we can show them. Deliverance becomes a critical moment. It becomes a turning point that should result in a transformed life. Dennis was just talking about this. When we are saved, we are redeemed by God. And we're created body, soul, and spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, We have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.13 says, God is in us to will and work for his good pleasure. Our, our emotions, as, as we let the Holy Spirit dwell in us, as, as our spirit has become one with his spirit, our emotions become redeemed um, and, and exhibit the fruits of God or the fruits of the spirit in Galatians, in Galatians 5. And as Dennis explained, when we are saved, we are born again. Our spirit is connected with the Holy Spirit, and he lives inside of us. In John 3, 5, Jesus said we can't enter the kingdom of God unless we are born of water and of the spirit. Our spirit is redeemed. But let me tell you, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions needs to be reclaimed sometimes. And that's what deliverance does. And interestingly, historically, the church understood this. Immediately after baptizing a person in water, they'd then pray for their deliverance, and then they would lay hands on them that they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. As we were studying deliverance last fall in discipleship school, we heard a, a message from Dr. Randy Clark, and he was talking about Argentine revivalists who would hold these giant crusades with tons and tons of people um, making decisions for Christ, and, and people were studying it, and something like 80% of the people who made a decision for Christ actually got plugged into church and, and were living as Christians like a year later. And then people were studying what was happening in you know, the, the Northern Hemisphere, in North America. And I don't remember the percentage exactly, but it was much lower, something like 10%. And that, that revivalist was con convinced it's because we don't actually know how to get people free. It's hard enough to be a, a Christian and walk with Jesus, but it's much harder if you're oppressed by the enemy in some area. Okay, this might strike a nerve, but I heard someone say that we have a tendency to counsel out what needs to be cast out. Let me be clear. Counseling is a critical part of what's needed in the world, in the body of Christ. Many issues people are facing are, are due to emotional trauma, and they need inner healing and Christian counseling to be whole. But sometimes... Not all the time, but sometimes those places of hurt become open doors to demonic influence and, if people, need, and people need to be healed and delivered. They won't have freedom with just one or the other. Let's use another example, mental health. Your brain is part of your body and it, become, it can become sick or unbalanced and need to be healed. And modern medicine can help with that. But mental illness can also be caused by demonic influence, and we shouldn't pretend that it can't. We need a balanced approach when ministering to people that need freedom. 
We need to acknowledge that this is a real thing. We need to be equipped to deal with it. But most of all, understand that there is power in the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. Number three, de- deliverance demonstrates the superiority of the kingdom of God. Luke 11, starting in verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can this kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has, become, has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. There's a parallel verse in Matthew where where Jesus says, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. We have the Holy Spirit and, and demonic influences being broken in people's lives is a sign of a greater kingdom, the kingdom of light that cannot stand, that, that the kingdom of darkness cannot stand against. Amen. Jesus himself said that <laughs> if demons have been driven out, the kingdom of God has come. And in verse 22, so he's talking about the strong man. And Jesus is saying, I'm the one who is stronger. I've attacked and overpowered the enemy. And I've stripped away his defenses. I've stripped away his authority. And I've given the plunder to you. The enemy is defeated. And you get to be a part of the kingdom of darkness being destroyed. Amen? Amen. Who's signing up for that? Amen. Amen. All right, so we've talked about a few biblical foundations for deliverance. Let's move into some practical aspects. And this is a question that people ask all the time. Can a Christian be possessed? The answer is a nuance in wording, but I would say a Christian absolutely cannot be possessed, but they can be oppressed. In the, in the way that it's translated sometimes is, is demonized. And in the New Testament, there's only one w- Greek word that often gets translated as possessed, but we might use it for oppressed, obsessed, or possessed. I heard an illustration that might help. Well, we don't even use CDs anymore, but for those of you that, that know what a CD is, think about a CD that might have a, a little gouge or a scratch in one area. You play that CD, everything works fine, it's functioning, functioning normally, and then all of a sudden it gets to that one song and it goes down, 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 you know? How many of you have experienced that? That's what can happen with some people, is like, 
They are Christians. They are living, you know, full of God. But there's this, this one area of their life that, that, that the enemy has taken hold of because of whatever door has been opened, the experiences they've had in their past. Or you can, you can take a CD that has, you know, you're, you, you ate some Cheetos and you grab the back of it. Uh, I don't like Cheetos, but it was an example. Um, and then you start playing it, and it's just like, oh, none of these songs are quite working right, but it still functions sometimes. And, and that's just an example of, of, of the enemy having a little bit more uh, authority, a little bit more um, places to work with in a person's life. And then you have the CD that was that was left in, in, on the dashboard uh, on a hot July day, and it gets all warped and everything, and it can't function. And, and some people, I would say that's mostly reserved for people that, that don't know the Lord, but there are some people that, that might be Christians that just have experienced so much um, hurt in their life, um, or maybe uh, just got way into the occult or witchcraft or, or whatever it might be that they can barely function. But there, there is no one that is too far gone for Jesus. There's no one for too, too far gone for Jesus. Even in my own life, and this, this is another practical aspect of deliverance, is you don't always have to have someone pray for you personally to, to receive deliverance. Sometimes the presence of God just comes and it happens sovereignly. And I can say that that happened to me in, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> in my own life. You know, I experienced, even as knowing the Lord, I experienced uh, in, in my early college year, my first year of college, uh, just a deep depression. Um, and it had kind of come from, from a history of, you know, a lack of self-confidence, of just certain aspects of my childhood, um, things that people had, had said to me. And, and it kind of came to a head after my first year of college. And I, I lost uh, both of my grandparents. My dad um, was in the hospital, almost died. And, and I was, I was in, in a depression, wasn't ever, you know, I was too afraid to even you know, talk about going to a doctor to, to um, treat it or anything. And I met the Lord in my room. And, and I would really say this is, this is a, a time of where I recommitted my life to him and, and I experienced uh, freedom in that moment. But it was several months later Actually, it was about, well, several months later, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And then about a year later, I had probably the most profound experience that I had with God. And I was talking to uh, my campus pastor's wife just a little bit ago, and she even remembers this moment where it was like Acts chapter 2 where the spirit of God fell and, and I experienced uh, the joy of the Lord. Like when, when people were saying in Acts chapter two, it's like, it's only nine in the morning. Why is this person drunk? That's what happened to me. I can't even explain it, but I knew in that moment I experienced so much of God, but he was also breaking off that spirit of depression that had been resting on my life. And from then on, I've never experienced anything like that. I've never experienced depression. My wife, she talks to me and she, it makes her angry. She's like, you, 
you never even get affected by the seasonal, whatever, seasonal affective disorder. And it's because I met God in a powerful way. And so God can do that. God can do that. I want to give you some practical aspects of, of ministering and deliverance. I don't have time to go through everything, but here are some things to remember. The person is priority. Deliverance has to be done in love, and it needs to be done to protect the dignity of the person being ministered to. And I, I heard someone say this phrase, it's like, I've talked to so many people that need to be delivered from their deliverance because it was like shouting and screaming and, and craziness, right? That's not what it's supposed to do. Jesus, Jesus said a word and people were free. Amen. If we were going to walk someone through deliverance, they better, better have either accepted Christ or will need to right away. And they need to absolutely be um, sincere in their desire to be free or else the, the door is still open and, and things will affect them again. They need to close doors that have been opened through hurt, trauma, sin, unforgiveness, dealings with the occult, generational sin, all of that kind of stuff. They need to, they need to renounce those things. They need to close uh, doors. They need to repent they need to renounce any spirit that, that kind of becomes present, that, that's realized that is there, and, and it needs to be cast out. And then they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. And, and sometimes I think we make it scary or complicated. There's this principle in Luke eleven twenty four: When the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and not finding any. It then says, I will return to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits more evil than themselves, and they will come in and live there. And then the, the last condition of that person becomes worse than the first. And that's why people need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the presence of God after they've experienced uh, freedom from oppression. So if, if you want to come up, we're going we're gonna to close in just a few minutes. We have nothing to fear when leading someone through deliverance. We should be moved with compassion the same way that we would be when we're praying for someone to receive salvation. We're praying for someone uh, to receive uh, inner healing, emotional healing, or, or anything else. Getting a person free might be just the thing needed to see them fulfill the calling of God on their lives. So as we close, I wanna, I wanna do something different. I want everyone to, to stand up for a moment. And we're gonna read some declarations together. And these declarations are, the, the purpose of these is to, to help us understand our, our identity, who we are, and what we have as people in Christ. And if these things, if we can get them inside of us, get them inside of our heart, our mind, and our spirit, we should have no problem ministering to someone to, to get them free. So are you guys ready? Read them along with me. 
All right, there we go. I am a child of the King. I am a co-heir with Jesus. Everything Jesus bought and paid is of my inheritance. I am united with Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. I died with him. I was buried with him. I was raised with him. I am seated with him in the heavenlies, far above all rule, all power, all authority, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, so I have the authority of Christ. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I have the authority over sickness, over sin, over the flesh, and over demons. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let these declarations resonate from you. We have nothing to fear. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. We have a responsibility actually to bring freedom to those around us. And I believe that he wants to bring freedom in this place to some people. And so we're gonna pray over a few things. I was talking to a couple of the leaders of the men's group earlier this week, and they were talking about offense. There is no room for offense in our hearts. There is absolutely no room for offense in our hearts. And offense, when, when given space, when given time, can turn into to bitterness. It can turn into envy. It can turn into all kinds of different things. And we need to let go of offense. And so I'm going to pray for it in a minute, but I'm going to give you guys some homework. And I'm talking to our church family, our church body. If there is someone in this room that you are carrying offense against, you need to make it right. You need to make it right. Whatever that means, maybe it means going to them and asking forgiveness or going to them and saying, hey, I misunderstood you about this thing or you said this thing or did this thing and I got hurt and I've been carrying offense. I need forgiveness. Will you forgive me? We cannot carry offense. So Jesus, right now, I ask that you send your Holy Spirit and you bring freedom in this area, area of offense. God, we, we cannot carry this. We cannot have offense in our hearts towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, Father, right now, I ask that you strip all offense from our hearts, that you strip all offense from our minds, that you, you strip all offense where it's, it's gotten into uh, who we are in, in Christ and in our, in our identity, Father. And I pray for freedom in this place. I pray for restored re relationships in this very room. I pray for restored relationships in family, God, and extended family where offense has been held onto that it would be broken right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And God, for those who have been wronged, Lord, I pray that the spirit of forgiveness would come. 
for those who have been holding on to their wrong and saying, I want justice, God, that they would submit it to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and his perfect justice and that they would, they would let forgiveness into their hearts. So God, I pray for forgiveness, the spirit of forgiveness to rest on us right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. And fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And Father, right now, I pray that the spirit of fear would be broken over our lives. The spirit of fear would be broken over the sharing of the gospel wherever we go. That the spirit of intimidation that keeps us from, from speaking out the truth of who you are and our love for you, that that would be broken right now in Jesus' name. And the fear of this issue of deliverance, of, of moving in it, of, of seeing people set free, that that would be broken right now and that we would be willing vessels to minister to those who need freedom in Jesus name so spirit of fear we bind you we bind you spirit of free fear and say be gone in Jesus name in Jesus name be gone in Jesus name be gone in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus' name. I feel like if there might be someone here, I felt like a man that's been dealing with anger issues. The Lord wants to set you free right now. And I, I, I got this picture of childhood, of, of this person being bullied, this man being bullied, and these things that he, that he was just hurt so bad. And it's been coming out as an adult, and he doesn't know how to get free. And so, Father, I break the spirit of anger right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' holy name, in Jesus' mighty name, I, I plead the blood of Jesus over his life or even multiple, her life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to do one more thing, but the Holy Spirit's just nudging me right now. Monty, when we were in worship, I felt like the Lord wanted to encourage you I, and your family. It's like I saw this picture and it re represented you and your family and it was this tree. It was, it was this large tree and it, and it, it was taking root and there's these roots that were going very deep and wide and I saw these roots actually going out and they were uprooting and destroying these, these buildings that were evil 
And then I saw a whirlwind come and this, this whirlwind had all these boxes in it, but the tree was, was, not, was not overcome by the whirlwind and the whirlwind was actually good. And I felt like the Lord was, was saying that you've left this place of, of great influence that you were, excuse me, in California, but he's actually taken you to this place and he's gonna expand your influence. And he's saying, you are oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord a planting of the Lord and I see your roots going deep and they're they're actually going to be used to destroy the works of the enemy that your influence is going to grow in this place where, where he's put you in this region and I saw the whirlwind and the whirlwind was actually resources he's bringing resources to you not only financially but relationships and connections and, and because your roots are deep the resources won't overwhelm you but they'll actually be used to grow your influence so Jesus, I just bless what you're doing in, in Monty and his family. God, I thank you that their heart is so for you. And Father, I pray that you grow their roots deep in this season, that they'd be rooted and planted in you, Father. And Lord, that you would use them to influence so many areas of society. And I forgot this. The Lord is saying, dream bigger. The Lord is saying, dream bigger. The Lord is saying to you, dream bigger. He has more for you than, you, than you've imagined or that you can, you can think. It's like, eye has not seen, ear has not heard or entered into the heart of man what he has for you, family. So I bless that, Jesus. I bless what you're doing in them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm just gonna pray generally over everyone that if there's anything hindering you, any oppression of the enemy, that, that that would be broken, but we're gonna have a ministry team up here. And if you feel like you need freedom, these people wanna pray with you. So Father, I thank you for your children that have been bought by the precious blood of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for this family that you've placed us together in. And Lord, we thank you that you came to set the captives free, to proclaim liberty for the captives. And Father, I proclaim liberty right now over everyone in this room. Anything hindering him, any spirit that's not of you, I say be gone in Jesus' name. <coughs> be gone in Jesus' name. And I ask right now that the fire of your Holy Spirit would fill your people, that the fire of your Holy Spirit would fill your people, that you would come like a mighty rushing wind in this place. Lord, I pray that people would actually feel your presence that haven't felt it before, that there would be heat, that there would be chills, that there would be cool, whatever it might be, that they would feel your presence, God and that they would know you are real and that they would know that they are being set free in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Just rest in that for a moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill your people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burninghartsfargo.com.
If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 10.45 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.